Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing... So some bad. readers love that and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On this episode, I am joined by a journalist and now author whose debut, Tell Me How This Ends, came out in May this year. It's Joe Leavers. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming on. Let's start with the, the novel. Tell me how this ends. Um, tell us what it's all about. <laughs> So Tell Me How This Ends uh, follows the story of Henrietta, who gets a new job transcribing people's life stories. And she does this from a cafe uh, in a cancer drop-in centre. Now, Henrietta vows to do this job without getting emotionally involved because uh, she's very punctilious and uh, she's not really a people person. But all that changes when she meets her first client, who's called Annie. And Annie is in her 60s and is coming to the end of her life. But as Annie starts to tell her life story, it soon becomes clear that uh, there was an unsolved crime in her past when Annie's sister, Kath, uh, went missing, presumed drowned when she was 18. Um, and that changed the course of Annie's life. And when Henrietta hears this, she cannot help uh, following up the strands of that story and beginning her own amateur investigation. But as she does so, it soon becomes clear that Henrietta is delving into her own past as well as Annie's life story. And that's when the two women uh, develop quite an unusual friendship um, and discover the the mystery that is at the heart of Annie's life story. It's, I mean, it sounds brilliant. And it's funny how I had, I recently spoke to an author who actually, I think, blurbed your um, your book is Mickey Brammer. Yes, yes, Mickey. Yeah, fantastic yeah. book. Yeah. And it's funny how these kind of um, cross-generational relationships are like so interesting and so rich uh, and, and like kind of coming to the fore now. What was it about, it's such an unusual setting that you put your protagonist in, you have them in this sort of drop-in center transcribing people's life stories. How did you reach that point? What drew you into like that specific thing? Uh, well, the idea came to me when I was actually visiting my mum in hospital, um, and she was oh, only okay. there for a, a few weeks, uh, and it was a cancer hospital. So it was, you know, you visit someone in hospital, you can't be there the whole time, so you spend a lot of time in the cafe, and that yeah. was where I'd be sitting, you know, drinking endless cups of coffee and eating kind of old, old-fashioned sugary cakes. And <laughs> yeah. I'd look around and and just see all these people around me. And and some were kind of day visitors who were maybe coming in for treatment. Um, other people were families. Other people were patients. And I'd look at all these people and think, everyone here has got these stories that you know may never see the light of day. That they might not get to tell. Um, and all these lives are kind of, it 
just put it into like stark relief that all these lives are going on around you and how little we really know about people. We might discount them. We might look at somebody like Henrietta and think, well, she looks kind of dull and she doesn't have very good fashion sense, so <laughs> she's got nothing to tell. Or you might look at Annie, who's kind of, you know, older an older person and think well they've they've lived their life they've got nothing more to offer or or you just don't know so it was that that really kind of fascinated me yeah it's always good to remember that everyone has their own life and their own chaos going in yeah like going on yeah, yeah. When, even if you just see them you know they're sitting there reading a magazine but it's like in one particular role yeah yeah, yeah. exactly you only get one dimension of a, of a sort of multifaceted uh, image when you see that's someone. right yeah yeah and of course, it's it's also got a cold case, which is always always going to be an exciting and fun kind of like dive back into the history, criminal investigation, amateur detective stuff. Always, uh, always a riot. Always good fun, yeah. And <laughs> and I wanted to set it in the seventies because oh, okay. um, I think there's a lot about that era that is kind of misunderstood. And I think a lot of things have come to the fore since, like you know Jimmy Savile and. Mm-hmm all those kind of uh, rather more grimy stories coming to the fore. Um, But I think for a long time, it was kind of idealized as this kind of um, glamorous era uh, where, you know, people had amazing clothes and there were great festivals and parties. And I wanted to kind of cut through that and also say, actually, there was a darker side and it was quite a grim time for women, um, particularly women who were working class and didn't have the access to um, women's liberation. Um, It kind of passed them by. Uh, and attitudes to police uh, from the police. I also wanted to delve into that. So yeah, that's why I set it in the seventies. But there is also great music. So there's a great yeah. kind of soundtrack going on in the background to the story. Yeah, that's true. That's quite. That's almost true of like the sixties, seventies, and eighties. For there's sure. A, there's a kind yeah. of like glamorization of them that that people do talk about some of the other things, but it's generally people remember like the amazing music and the amazing parties and the, the yeah, amazing outfits and things. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and I can see a bit of your, you are, as I mentioned before, are a journalist. You can see a bit of the, the, the investigative nature coming in there. You wanting to like look into things that, um, were somewhat buried, I guess at the time, but involved with journalism. So obviously, you, you know, you, you do spend a lot of time writing, um, but, writing novels and fiction is that something that you've always wanted to do yeah I'm like like a lot of us I think you know it was kind of like a lifelong ambition but um I I didn't really uh have the confidence or the the wherewithal to do it I think in my 20s I kind of dabbled a bit and wrote short stories but it wasn't ever my voice um I kind of felt like I was trying to imitate somebody else's voice so yeah yeah, without success, obviously, <laughs> going quite rightly so. Um, and then it was it was losing my mum, and then sadly losing a friend of mine who was my age. Um, four years after that, that made me realise, like you know, that kind of truism that life is short, and mm-hmm. if you don't take those chances and and have a go, then you know you never know if you can do something. So that's what gave me the the impetus really to to have a go and 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 I really enjoyed it. So I thought actually even if I don't get published, I'm enjoying doing this. It's trying doing something different. Um yeah. you know, writing in a different way. So that's what kept me going really. Yeah, I think it's for me at least and I've spoken to a few other people who agree where it's like just it, just writing is just a fun and sort of cathartic experience. 
Um, I would do it anyway, I think, just for like my own like uh, sanity and, and mental health. It, it just yeah, makes yeah. me feel better. Um, so had you written anything before Tell Me How This Ends or only when you were sort of in your early, was it early 20s, you said? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hadn't written anything before. So this was definitely the first um, okay. novel. Yeah, but it went through a lot of edits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what, what people always say, like, novels are written in the edits. Um, exactly, yeah, That's for kind sure. of the truth of it for most, for most stories anyway. Where, do you feel like you said that one of the things you were worried about where you kind of didn't write something earlier is finding a voice that was actually yours. Do you feel like you found that voice with this book? Yeah, and I think that was just from seeing what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. And I think that's when when it feels like it's flowing and you're enjoying it, that's, that's I reckon, when it's your voice, when mm-hmm. you're not kind of straining for effect or thinking. Like you think about the reader, you have to think about the reader. Um, but yeah, when you're enjoying it and it feels natural and you kind of not, almost not thinking of what happens next. It just comes. That sounds yeah. a little pretentious, but I think you know <laughs> what I mean. When you're like lost in that moment, you're absorbed yeah. in the world and like, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just thinking about, oh, uh, this fun thing is happening. This character's saying this, this character's thinking this. Yes. What could they think next? Yeah. Particularly because, yeah, exactly. because, um, you know, my book might sound a little bit depressing to people that haven't read it but but there are there is humor in there and there are funny bits um Mm -hmm. so that's nice to include as well and you kind of that's adds to the enjoyment of of writing it yes yeah exactly and this is your debut novel but am i right in thinking that you actually published two books this year yes and that was (laughs) that was by accident rather than design so (laughs) it seems a bit greedy but they were both out in the same month yeah um because i started working on an interiors book called victorian modern uh Mm. with a photographer who i work with a lot called rachel smith and because publishing you know takes takes a long time for ideas to to come to fruition and then there was covid that ended up being delayed a little bit um so that's why that and the novel uh, came out actually in the same month and the same year yes exactly and and victorian modern is the is the book and it's non-fiction is that very much um an extension of what you the sort of things you write about as a journalist yeah exactly uh so rachel and i thought we'd love to write uh yeah create a book together and we kind of took a step back and looked at all the types of stories that we'd done for different interiors magazines. And I thought, which, which are the ones that I've in, have I enjoyed writing the most and interviewing people about? And it was homes that were period homes that had their own character, but where the owners had added like their own layer almost to the story, um, and added their own personality and made it feel more, more modern, but still retained the, the original architecture. So that was that was my pitch, but a bit more concise than that. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more refined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of pitches and things like that. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at lifelock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You, in the same month, amusingly, but you have a fiction 
novel out and you have a nonfiction book. Are those, did you find those two processes very different? Yes, really different because the um, interiors book, um, again, it took a while actually to work out the structure for the book, but once it was nailed down, that was it. You know, you, you have like a, you know, chapter introducing how each room was used by the Victorians and then kind of examples of how, you know, contemporary owners have used those rooms. Mm-hmm. So once that was nailed down, it was a lot more, the book had its shape. Uh, whereas a okay. novel, yes, there are, there are kind of structural devices. Um, but it's a lot, it felt like a, a, a more unwieldy thing to be. It's like wrestling <laughs> yeah. an octopus or, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, trying to get to grips with it. That, that took, that was a lot harder, I think for me. So the, the nonfiction one is more like everything is, is, is sort of so planned out that when it actually comes to creating it, you're like, oh, okay, so I, I just put this piece here. This piece is going there. You're going to do some photos for this bit. And then it's all kind of like, um, it's, I mean, it, it seems like an oversimplification to say paint by numbers, but it's along those lines. It was, yeah. Once we had the structure for one chapter, then yeah. we just followed through and, you know, there were a lot of decisions to make along the way because mm-hmm. you want to have a spread of different types of houses and houses that use color and ones that are more neutral and all those kind of considerations. And the book does have a pace. So that was quite new for me as well, because I'd only written features before yeah um, but with a book yeah you you kind of need to think of how the reader progresses through and what's going to keep them flicking so I guess in that way it is similar to fiction but yeah a different a different kind of structure a different beast yes yes indeed um, and I'm wondering your agent is the the wonderful Haley Steed who yes. I've spoken to on the podcast before oh brilliant did you sign was that through just like an open submissions thing yes um so i first started thinking about agents um after i entered the bath novel award which i would recommend to everybody uh (laughs) that or or other competitions just because it gives you a really good focus Uh um so i got long listed for that didn't get shortlisted but i wasn't surprised because the book wasn't really finished so from that, I had interest from one agent, um, but the book was really rough and ready. Um, so that didn't go any further. But it made me think, oh, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe somebody would like to see this book. So then I started researching agents and Haley was always kind of on my on my um, my hit list. Yeah. So when I had a slightly better draft ready to go, um, I sent it to her and a couple of other agents. She came straight back to me. So, um, wow. yeah, it was a really good start. <laughs> when you've like researched agents and you know the one you want and then they're the one that gets back to you, that's such a dream come true. Yeah. And I, to be <laughs> honest, I found the whole process quite um, stressful. It is, yeah. So I thought, actually, you know, this is the agent I want and the agency I want. Um, Mm -hmm. So why am I kind of tying myself in knots, like waiting for other people to come back to me? So I withdrew from the other agents and um, I haven't regretted that decision. Amazing. When you pitched that, did you pitch the fiction and the nonfiction? Does Hayley work on your nonfiction stuff as well? No, it was just the fiction. Uh, The nonfiction, I just went 
um, straight to Thames and Hudson. Okay. And I think that is more, I mean, it's not the only way to do it, and it mm-hmm. uh, but I think it is more kind of acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, so Haley was just the fiction. Yeah, I think um, it, there, there, obviously there's a huge um, range of nonfiction, like different things you can do within nonfiction. But I think mm. especially since you come from a background, the journalism background of interior design and that kind of stuff, it seems like a pretty obvious um, validation, I guess, when the publisher says, oh, yeah, it would make sense for you to make a, a book about modern yeah, Victorian yeah. interiors. So I just, for that one, I just pitched into, you know, uh, submissions at Thames and Hudson or something like that. And um, oh, yeah, okay. and it worked. Okay, right. Yeah. Does Hayley do nonfiction as well? Or is she just... I think she nonfiction? does, yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens further down the line, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll see. Because tell me how this ends. This is book one of a two book deal with yes. Lake Union. Uh-huh. And... I know because you mentioned it before we started recording, but you're already well underway with book number two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume you can't really say anything about it at the moment. I don't know what I can say. I don't think it's top <laughs> secret. Um, yeah, no, I'm working on book two um, and Tell Me How This Ends was about grief and the end of life. Mm-hmm. Um, book two is about the beginnings of life and um, oh. motherhood. Oh, lovely. But there's also a mystery. So that's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, similar as, as to book one. There's a mystery at, at the core of the book um, and that takes the the characters on a bit of a journey. Is it a cold case? It's not really a cold case. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a, a mother who um, is estranged from her children um, and why that happened. Okay. So a second fiction book on the way. Are you thinking about doing, and I know we sort of talked about it a little bit just a second ago, but are you thinking about doing another non-fiction, some more interior stuff? Yeah, me and uh, Rachel Smith, would, we'd both like to do that. Um, so that's that's definitely a discussion that we want to have because uh, the first book is Victorian Modern. Uh-huh. So the the idea from the beginning, my idea was always to have a series of different architectural styles and people who've interpreted them in in interesting ways so yeah we'll see that would be that'd be great if it happens oh and then you could like build up a series of like kind exactly. of exactly yeah. oh that's great yeah, yeah really but cool. nothing's ever guaranteed in publishing is it so no of course not <laughs> just before we we move into the the final question of the episode when it comes to doing non-fiction submissions because i don't have i have a lot more fiction authors on here than i do non-fiction mm. the process of submitting is quite different um is it is it sort of, do you have to have a lot more ready to go for a nonfiction submission? Yeah, I think that probably helps a lot. Uh, I mean, we had examples of photo shoots that we'd done. So I sent oh, those wow. through. Um, so it immediately gave the publishers like, you know, this is roughly how a spread could look. We'd, mm-hmm. we'd almost mocked up spreads. Yeah. Um, and I had, yeah, a synopsis. And I'd also listed other books that were kind of in the market. I think that's a really useful thing to do. So these are the books that are out there. This is how my book would be different. Yeah. So there was a shape to it. Yeah. Which I think, I think that's the best way of saying it is like there's, um, with not, it sounds like with the nonfiction one in your experience, you kind of pitch it 
as this sort of like, this is how the product is going to look. Obviously you don't, it's not all filled in at that point, but you're like, this is kind of how it's going to look. And then presumably there's a little back and forth with the publisher, but it's very much set in its ways versus when you submit a fiction novel to an agent or a publisher and you kind of, even though you've written the whole thing, you know that that's going to change sometimes quite dramatically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, editing, I think, is a crucial part in in not nonfiction and fiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my fiction book was definitely helped a lot more by people that knew a lot more about what they were doing than <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, that's editors do know what they're doing. Uh, in, yeah. in my experience, they're editors are extremely geniuses. Good. The things that they come up with, or the questions that they ask, um, just things that you haven't considered. Yeah. Exactly. And then all the the legal legalities as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. All the that you might stuff. not have yeah thought of. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we are heading into the end of the episode, which means we are at the final question, which, as always, is Joe. If you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would it be? Now this this book I um I picked up again the other day to reread and I thought yes I could reread this so it is I am I am I am by Maggie O'Farrell uh-huh. um which is her recounting um several brushes with death uh but they each chapter is just a brilliant standalone chapter and I reckoned uh all of them stand up to rereading. And if I was on a desert island, then maybe I would have had a few brushes with death to uh, have survived <laughs> and washed up there. So I thought that would be quite inspiring reading. That's a, yeah, that's a really cool, I've no, I've not read that book, but I've heard oh, about great. it. It's great. Really I mean, good. Maggie Farrow is always great. Yeah. Um, that's a really cool choice. Uh, and I think unique. No one's ever said that before. So oh, great. <laughs> yeah, great choice. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Oh, no, thank you. It's a great chat. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for telling us all about your your writing and your your two books that came out in one month. Um, it's been awesome chatting with you and, and hearing all about it. Thanks, Jamie. It was it was really good to chat to you. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Joe is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Levers. That's J O L E E V E R S. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. You can support the show on Patreon. And for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Joe, and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.